lose everyone. I'm back, baby. It's Jake C. Lee. I'm great. Everybody else sucks. Oh, huh. oh no. It's every nightmare I've ever had. Excuse me. It's time to check the link. Pretty crazy, huh? But, but it doesn't matter because none of this has anything to do with the show. You know what? You just made the list. <laughs> oh, wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. It's all in. Sure, we talk about it all the time. Really? No. Game on, everybody. It's All in Sports. Jake Seeley, your host as always. Follow me at All in Kid if you're not already. And I appreciate any five-star reviews or just a review in general. Tell me how you feel. And there's a few that aren't five-star out there. And hey, look, hey, I take the criticism. I appreciate you guys listening, period. I would much rather see a five-star review, though. But in any case, if you're not over at The Athletic, which I don't know how you aren't by now, but to get all the articles, all the podcasts, all the information, fantasy hockey is here, fantasy baseball is still going throughout the offseason to get you ready before anybody else is for next year. Fantasy football coverage galore, including my rankings, theathletic.com slash sports. It's the name of this show. It's 40% off for the first year. You really can't beat that. You can't beat it with the steak and all that nonsense. But we're going to get you ready for week seven. If you enjoy rankings talk, you're definitely going to enjoy this show because one of the best rankers in the business is joining me. So we're going to get you ready. We're going to talk about that, some DFS picks at the end, as always. All right, and this week's guest, uh, we're going to have to wait to see the Fantasy Pros release for this week. But at least as of now, he is number one in the accuracy. He unseated me last – actually, even before that, I think you jumped up to number two or somewhere around there you passed me. So it's two weeks in a row now. Pat Fitzmorris is a top the accuracy ranking, and even if he slides back a spot or two like I did, he is top 10. He is top 5. He is one of the best this year. He's one of the I see your name there every single year, so if you're not following him, please follow him at Fitz underscore FF. And Pat, first of all, welcome, and the second of all, congratulations. And then third of all, tell everybody else where they can find everything you do because they should be following your rankings, obviously. Oh, thanks, Jake. Good of you to have me. Always good to talk to you, and um, you know, maybe I'm just keeping that seat warm for you because I I think I had a kind of a mediocre week. We'll see. Isn't uh, that the worst though? Because it's like you know, there's nowhere you can do but go down. Like you, you, you yeah, hit the apex. You can only get worse. I know, man. And I am like my Green Bay Packers. I do not play well with a lead. It seems like anytime <laughs> I get to the very top of the fantasy pros accuracy rankings, like I inevitably follow it up with one of my worst weeks. So, um, yeah. And as for finding my stuff, uh, you can always find my rankings at thefootballgirl.com. Uh, they're usually up bright and early on Tuesday mornings, and uh, I have a weekly podcast, the Fits on Fantasy podcast. That's usually up Tuesday mornings, sometimes Wednesday. So the first question, I didn't even ask you this before we came on the show. I did say your last name correctly, right? You did. You did, okay. man. It's, <laughs> it's always a 50-50 between Fitzmaurice and Fitzmaurice, and uh, you know, <laughs> the coin came down on the right side for you. Fitzmaris. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so real quick, uh, let's, let's start that off at the top because a lot of people out there who might have been following you and not known about me or vice versa are out there checking rankings every single week. And, you know, we're doing the best that we can do. Even at the top, we talk about this all the time, still at best 70% hit rate. You know, I actually think I joked about it in the column this week and I said, I think, you know, people compare us to meteorologists and I actually think they have it easier than we do because at least, you know, sometimes weather gets a little wonky. It's not trying to predict an unpredictable athlete in a situation every single week. So I'm not trying to be like, oh, look at us. We're so great at what we do. But I set that up for the question of how have you been so successful? Because I'll give you my side of it. I'm sure you already know that, but just in case anybody doesn't, 
what I do is I do my projections and then I tweak them afterwards and I pretty much run them about five times by the end of the week. The first run is the first run. I just let the run run and I let it do. And there's usually a few off ones because of the data that it pulls. But then I go through and I'm like, you know what? I think this is not accounting well for this matchup. I don't think it's accounting well for what's happened these past two games. You talked about your Packers. The Packers, the first three games, were stopping the pass in the past two games. They can't at all. So it's little tweaks like that, and that's why I run it a bunch of times. But I know what you said before the show is you don't do it exactly like I do, and yet, as of today, you're even a little bit more accurate than I am. Oh, uh, yeah, so I don't, I don't do weekly projections. Uh, I got to admit, I don't have a model. I don't do that. I just kind of start from scratch at each of the positions. And, you know, I've got a lot of data in front of me when I'm doing these. Um, but, you know, mainly with the positions, the, the non, well, the non-kicker in defense, I'm generally, like, most concerned about usage trends. And, you know, I weigh matchups into it, too. But, um you know, for receivers, I, I want to know targets. I want to know snap rates. I want to know, um, you know, and like sometimes I'll, I'll do it without even knowing what their cumulative numbers are when I'm looking at it. Because I kind of know what these guys have been doing and what they're capable of doing. But like I just want to follow those usage trends and, um, you know, and then then have the matchups kind of shade things a little bit from there. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of one thing that like maybe it's been a subtle change over the God many years now that I've been doing in season rankings. It's just, I, I think I have de-emphasized matchups and um, you know, kind of made usage trends. Uh, those, those to me outweigh matchups like usage targets involvement in the offense, like volume means more to me than matchups. That's certainly fair. So let me ask you another question to follow up like that is when you go in through your rankings and I was about to bring it up to you before we started the show, but I'll bring it up now because this is going to be an interesting side of it. So sometimes, you know, I feel like if I screw with my rankings too much of what I like you, everything you're talking about is like, we, we've watched so much football that there's a lot of times where I'll tell people in the rankings, like sometimes go with your gut. There might be something there that's telling you that you can't put your finger on, but there's something you've seen or something you heard or something you've been watching. And there's something in the back of your mind saying, ah, I have a gut feeling about blank. And I feel like if you chase that too often, you're going to be wrong more than you're right. But a good example was like last week is like golden Tate going against the Patriots my gut and everything was telling me, put them higher, put them higher, put them higher, put them higher. And I didn't. I kept pushing back against myself, and I kept pushing back against myself as, you know, the Patriots. You know, part of it, like you just said, is matchup. And the use was obviously going to be there, but still at the same time, I was like, even in the use in this matchup, I don't want to push too hard against my projections. I don't want to push too hard against the rankings of the people that are in front of them. And I shouldn't have. I should have moved Golden Tate a hell of a lot higher than I had him. And Golden Tate was, what, top 15 last week? So, what do you do each week when those kind of things roll around? Like when you're sitting here, like, you know what? I really have this feeling, but you know, maybe it's not data. Maybe it's not anything that's sitting there where you're like, uh, I can point to this specifically is why it's just, I have a feeling about this. Yeah. And the funny thing is Jake, you were really not wrong on golden Tate last week. Cause if, if the Patriots play the ball differently on that big touchdown he had, I mean, he is what, like five for 38. For right. The game. He doesn't right. Have that. So maybe you weren't wrong after all. It just uh, was the result that was wrong. And um, yeah, I mean, like sometimes the gut weighs into it. Like there was a game last year where uh, the Packers were playing the Panthers and just being a Packer fan and, and seeing how much trouble they had with like speedy running backs. Um, 
for some reason, people were kind of fading McCaffrey a little bit that week. And I just kind of knew in my heart that McCaffrey was just going to crush this matchup. And he did, I think, wind up as the number one running back on the week. And I think I was the only one who had him one, and he might have been like consensus five or six. Um, but generally, yeah, I mean, it kind of it kind of depends case by case. But sometimes I'll follow the gut. Sometimes, you know, if I'm out on a limb and like I see that smart people and I do check rankings during the week, I check like, you know, especially the, the rankers I really respect you and Sean current corner and John Paulson and Mike Taglier and Justin Boone and like, you know, Jeff Radcliffe, a bunch of other guys um, I'm, I'm forgetting or just not mentioning for time's sake right now. But like, I'll look at that just to see. Oh, you hate all the rest of them. I know. <laughs> Just to see like if I'm way out on a limb with any of these guys. And if, if I am, like I'll kind of go back and like, you know, check and see if there are any news tidbits I missed or if there's a matchup thing where maybe I, I you know, thought that a guy was going to be on a certain cornerback, but you know, the the PFF charts say that, oh, actually it's gonna be this cornerback. So um yeah, like sometimes I'll I'll subtly shift things if I realize maybe I am out on kind of a thin limb with a player. But other times like if I'm convinced that my reasoning is sound on that uh even if i'm going against the grain i'll just stick with it okay one more question for you when somebody comes at you like why do you hate blah 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 (laughs) honestly how frustrating here's a perfect example this week in my rankings like on top of the fact that and i don't know if you know this but and if anybody out there hasn't been listening or just new or in general so entire offseason i'm talking up terry mclaurin and I even said at the time, granted, my talking up with Terry McLaurin was with the thought that he would get to play with Haskins and the connection they had from college would develop into the NFL. I legitimately, even being one of the biggest McLaurin fans, wasn't expecting this. And so uh, there's going to be a second question for it because this first is only about rankings. So, so far, my initial rankings, my initial projections are actually pretty high in comparison. I have a wide receiver 28 this week. Somebody comes out. Why do, what does he have to do to get respect? And I'm just like, what are you talking about? <laughs> this entire season, I've been talking up Terry McLaurin. I've called him must start since like week three, and it's one of the worst possible matchups, and he's still on the Redskins and still ranked 28th. I thought that was a pretty, like a very generous ranking for somebody of like his stature. Like, so like, when you see those kind of things, it's like, does it just like, you're like, oh my God, I know what I'm doing? Or is it kind of like, you know what? Sometimes I'm not always right. <laughs> it's funny you mentioned McLaurin, Jay, because that is one of the few guys I've been asked about so far this week. Um, or like right after I posted the rankings on Tuesday, half an hour later, question came over, and I've actually got McLaurin eighteen this week. And someone was like, so "Well, aren't, much aren't higher you? than I am." <laughs> yeah, they they're like, "Aren't you worried about the matchup?" Like, and no, you know, not not <laughs> really so, but just you know the usage has been positive he's really the only thing they have going in that passing game um you know maybe i'm maybe that is one of the ones i adjust downward a little bit but i'm kind of or vice versa all right heads up i think you know this and everybody our rankings aren't going to be the same today as they will be sunday morning (laughs) yeah there's always a little massaging for sure as uh you know news comes out and we see the injury reports constantly changing those always require us to adjust the practice reports every day so you know there's usually a little window uh late afternoon early evening where i kind of adjust 
throughout the week based on practice reports. But yes, yeah, so I don't, luckily I, my followers uh, tend to be a pretty mild mannered group. So I don't get too much of like the, why do you hate guys? And, you know, even with the guys I maybe consistently fade or have faded over the years, guys like Jamison Crowder, who I think, you know, and who I actually like this week. And, and now like, this is the best I've ever felt. I think about Jamison Crowder going forward, but you know, I've thought for maybe the past couple of years that he was one of the most consistently overrated fantasy commodities. Um, <laughs> so yeah, generally do not get too much of that, luckily. But uh, Jake, let me turn the tables on you because there's something I'm curious. I've, I've been wanting <laughs> it. You know. So um, when I do rankings, I, I normally do it on Monday and I'm not able to usually do it all at once. I'm sort of being distracted by things for my nine to five job and, um, you know, kind of have to peck away at it. But this past Monday, I had the chance to actually sit down and just work away at it straight through, you know, minus the occasional bathroom or snack break. Um, how long does it typically take you to do the rankings? (laughs) So every day is different because so Tuesday is getting all pulling all the old data and, you know, plugging in and all that type of stuff. Like I said, and the reason my first initial rankings don't have that much massaging, as you said, is because there is no time because I was still trying to get the article out for that night. It's Tuesday night at midnight. We're going to release the rankings. So Tuesday, I'd probably say it's a good four or five hours. And then today being Wednesday when we're recording the show is probably another good four to five hours. So between that and that's just to get the initial main run. And then Thursday, there's updates. Friday, there's updates. Saturday. So by the end of the week, it's easily into the 12 to 15 range. Yeah, that's good. Good. I'm glad that's uh, kind of in line. Like for me to get the initial ones up, like the first pass at rankings, and this was, you know, sitting down and and pretty much plowing straight through it was like just a hair over five hours. And I (laughs) felt like that was, you know, probably pretty fast because normally I'm distracted. Maybe I'll be doing like the the final touches, the tight ends and stuff during the Monday night game. I kind of wanted that out of the way since it was a a Packers game this Monday, but um, (laughs) yeah, man, it's, it's a long process and the wide receivers, like when, whenever it's the end of the season, like that's the thing I'm always most happy. Like, Oh yes. My last week of ranking wide receivers, just such a hard process and so much to look at with that. And it seems like that takes up about half my time at position. See, and that's the biggest thing too, is, you know, even to go down this road and here's another one. I'm not trying to be like, Oh, read my column, read my column, read my column. It's just funny how a lot of these things we're talking about right now kind of, well, maybe that's because this week's column, I explained where check the link came from and that, you know, it's trying to save time. But like the biggest thing is like, I even mentioned there is like the difference between like wide receiver 45 and 58 might be one point like, and it's just like you know one catch even for 10 yards could skew somebody 10 spots in the rankings at wide receiver wide receiver is definitely the bear of all the positions yeah it really is I mean just so many variables with the the cornerback matchups the volume the and, and plus your ranking you know if if you're kind of trying to be thorough and get like every guy who can possibly catch a pass in your rankings you might be ranking like four, five, six wide receivers for each team. And uh, yeah, it just, just gets to be a, a little bit overwhelming. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm definitely always relieved when I've got that position finished with uh, <laughs> at least on the, the first run. And then, like you said, tweaking throughout the week. I mean, tight is not quite as bad, but tight is more like, hey, I got past the top 10 and now, 
like whatever. Like it's just so it really is, man. But you want to you want to get all those guys because like what if uh, with the tight end scoring, especially with the the hellscape the tight end has been this year, like you don't want to have Ross Dwelly out of your rankings in case this is the week that you know Jimmy Garoppolo touchdown. Yeah, two one or two short TD passes, and all of a sudden he's a top 10 Not guy. Not even two. It's just you score one yard, one touchdown, I mean, you're top 15 tight end, probably top 12. It's yes. just you catch a touchdown, the end. Uh, congratulations. All right, so you mentioned Packers. Let's talk about your Packers real quick. Um, I don't know where you stood on this, but to kind of give you an idea, a little bit of background, and I don't know if you saw that I was tweeting about it, like tongue-in-cheek during the game, but, you know, I was joking about Jamal Williams' use and and the serious side of it. I said, this is always my problem. And I said, this is now two different regimes that we have here. We have a whole coaching change staff turnover, and yet this team is still reluctant to treat Aaron Jones as a true bell cow. He has one game with enormous workload. That was Jamal Williams out. And another game where he did, but that Jamal Williams was still involved in that game. That was kind of a, a runaway game where they were running a heck of a lot the majority of the use and the snap count and the, you know, every single week you talked about use has been in his favor, but Jamal Williams isn't going away. How concerned should we be for Aaron Jones for the rest of the season? Because I have also admitted and said it time again, if you told me talent wise guy versus guy, Aaron Jones is the better talent. Jamal Williams is more well-rounded, but Aaron Jones is more talented, better on per snap basis efficiency. But I can't get away from the fact this is now two different regimes that have insisted on not giving him the bell cow treatment. Yeah, I did see your tweets, uh, your tweet about that. And I thought you pretty much nailed it. I mean, it was just matter of fact that you were, you know, saying that, yes, Jones is probably the much more talented guy, but uh, you can't ignore the usage. And I think that's kind of it. I mean, like, I think the Monday night game was really a good encapsulation of the two players. Um, I shouldn't, maybe that's a little bit unfair to Jones because it was not one of his uh, most memorable games with the (laughs) careless fumble and the absolutely horrific drop of a, of what should have been an easy touchdown. I'm I'm sure Aaron Jones owners listening to this are, you know, just reliving a a nightmare as they hear this discussed. Um, It might turn the show off. (laughs) But yeah, and then there was the, uh, this was definitely the perfect encapsulation of Jamal Williams on his late 45-yard run, where Aaron Jones would have taken it to the house without question. Jamal Williams is looking backwards for the defenders closing in on him and like (laughs) putting both hands around the ball like, I'm not going to fumble this. I'm not letting someone punch this out from behind. But that's kind of it. Like they like his dependable... Uh, jack of all trades, just like that's his makeup as a player. Like the smart move at the end, getting down in front of the goal line instead of running it in and giving the Lions time to maybe, you know, try to mount a late touchdown drive to take the lead again. Um, Like smart dude. He really carried them a couple of years ago when Aaron Rodgers got hurt and all their other running backs, Jones, um, Jones was hurt. And Jamal Williams like basically was the offense for Mike McCarthy for a couple of weeks. And, you know, as, as horrible as that sounds, like he actually did a pretty decent job of it. Um, you know, just versatile, smart, tough, and obviously Jones is the much more talented guy, but like you said, I mean, I think it's going to be 60, 40, 55, 45, maybe 50, 50 going forward. And 
I still think that's not necessarily like horrible news for Jones owners. Like I still think even with only a 60% share, like Jones can be maybe back end running back one high end running back two. I think there's going to be a lot of uh, just fantasy points generated by this backfield. And this is one of the backfields I think that can support two guys. And um, you know, it's the reason I actually bid on and picked up Jamal Williams in a couple of leagues this week and, and for pretty hefty bids, I think one was 19 and one was like 24. So um, yeah, I, I, and especially if Devonte Adams continues to miss time because we saw well, that's where I was about to go with that. Oh, is, yeah, go, go ahead. Yeah, so, so what are you doing receiver? wise? Like, like oh, obviously Devonte Adams being out there, I mean, he's just going to monopolize the majority of the targets and, you know, pretty much makes Marquez Valdez Scantling the only other barely relevant wide receiver, but let's go back and assume Adams can't come back this week. Is Lazard on your radar? Is it, anybody is it Kumaro I mean is it is Marquez Valdez Scantling even in the conversation to be a wide receiver too with no Devontae Adams after like what has been pretty awful usage and I mean until late last week the usage really wasn't even there yeah even with and I am as of now ranking it without Adams in the rankings you know I feel like he probably since he was just so unable to do anything last week totally limited um you know I, I think probably the best bet is that he misses another week I still have MVS out of the top 40. Um, you know, I tentatively am ranking Allison, but uh, like I think he's terrible and I've got him around 60. Um, I've got Kumaro and Lazard maybe both somewhere in the 70s. Um, so yeah, I, like I just, I don't feel good about any of the Packers wide receivers uh, other than Devonta Adams. Um, you know, even on, even on MVS's big catch in that Monday night game, I mean, it was just kind of a remarkable Willie Mays type catch, but he was wearing his defender like a cloak on that play. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Allison has just not been good. Not a very athletic guy, not much of a college pedigree. And I, I think we're kind of seeing what a limited player he is this year. Um, so, yeah, but if Adams is out, I mean, I think it pumps up the value of those Packer running backs, both Jones and Williams that much more. Okay, that's certainly fair enough. Let's move on to Jake. I mean, you yes. just uh, just to add to that. I mean, there were a couple plays in that Monday night game where, like, Aaron Rodgers could have made himself a sandwich in the pocket, where he was getting great <laughs> protection and could not find a guy open downfield. Like that's that's the lack of quality of the Packers receivers beyond Adams. And you know, I think both of those times he wound up just dumping something up to the side, either Jones or Williams. <laughs> No, hey, look, I will I will say this. For all the flack that he took early in the season, like Aaron Rodgers for the past two weeks, essentially, if not even a little bit more, has deserved as much of the credit as anybody in getting these team wins. Definitely. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think with Adams out, he's just one of those guys like better real life quarterback than fantasy quarterback. Maybe that'll swing back to, towards the fantasy side of it a little bit more once Adams gets back. But for now... Like, you know, he, he's still great, but just not putting up the numbers. Yeah. And for that's, that's certainly, I mean, speaking of not putting up the numbers, there you go. And uh, like, I even told you we were going to talk about him and I put ha afterwards, but Ryan Tannehill, it, it matters for fantasy. Ryan Tannehill is now the quarterback of the Titans and our Corey Davis supporters. I was, I was almost going to say owners, but I don't know how many are left at this point. It, it's so 
are we picking Corey Davis back up and is this hope that he can get something going and or is it just more the fact that this the Titans offense has too many problems as a whole I tend to think it's going to be more of the same like I'm I'm I don't know that I have substantially moved Davis up higher in the ranks this week than he would have been had Mariota been taking another turn at quarterback. But um, so I think I've got Corey Davis 48 and AJ Brown 51 right now. Is that kind of in line with what you have? Uh, I think I actually, I think I have Humphreys higher this week. I told you, I don't even like Humphreys is at 60. Yeah, I actually have AJ Brown at seventy three. I'm I'm just the Titans. Well, again, that's just the first run through projections. They could easily change. I haven't even spent my second five hours yet. Give me time. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was kind of disappointing to see. Uh, I think like after running, um, getting a, a season high in like snaps and routes the week before, like that fell back to earth for AJ Brown last week. So yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, well, and here's a perfect example of what we were talking about before is, you know, the combination I think of what we both do is probably why we're as good as we are. Is Cause I'm looking right now and Corey Davis is at 55 with or without, I mean, even if Mariota is still at quarterback, you know, I'm looking at some of the initial projections that got spit out in front of him. Keyshawn Johnson's at 51. I would play Corey Davis over him. It was uh, obviously if, if Christian Kirk is out there, which I do have Christian Kirk tentatively in. Nelson Aguilar's 52. I would play Corey Davis over him. So, like to your point, you know, there's more. In, that's this is why we do what we do. Yes, yes, um, yeah. So, I mean, luckily, most owners will not have to make decisions on Corey Davis this week. But you know, Versus the guys Nelson in, Aguilar <laughs> or Nelson Aguilar. But hey, there are guys in 14 and 16 team leagues, and uh, you know, for those guys, like. I'd like to think that's why we do what we do. And uh, it's guys like that who are, you know, when, when we're looking at these things and agonizing over Corey Davis versus Nelson Aguilar, I'd like to think that there's some guy somewhere in, you know, Tucson, Arizona. In a what was, what were those old commercials? The real man, the genius. Like this is the, we're doing, we're doing it for you by week 14 <laughs> team leaguing, you know, seven wide receivers, Adam Humphrey decision-making guy. That's you. That's, there you go. We just made a real man, the genius commercial. That's right. That's right. That was a, that was a great, um, oh man. Who was, it was that, was it Errol, Errol Morris, that famous, I think he was the guy who, uh, or maybe I'm thinking of the Miller commercials. Whatever. Sorry, sorry to take us off track, Jay. <laughs> sorry about that. No, this is what we're we're here for. So, Derrick Henry on the flip side of it, bounce back for Derrick Henry. I mean, we're expecting that. Yeah, I think I've got him wow. RB12. So, like, yeah, so that's a huge bounce back. Yeah. Oh, definitely from last week. I mean, last week was just kind of a, a train wreck for that offense in general. Um, but, you know, I'm, generally I kind of fade Henry just because I don't like his lack of usage in the passing game. And, you know, he needs to have that touchdown production or like he's probably going to disappoint you in any given week. So I'm always really uncomfortable when he's close to the top 10 for me. And this week he's just out of it. <laughs> I just don't like to say in there, get away, go far away. <laughs> it's kind of it. Yeah. Let's talk about the Rams. And so the Rams, Todd Gurley situation, obviously frustrated a lot of owners, but let me just stick there for a second. Let's say this is another one and things are going to change. Obviously this is why we continue to hammer home. We're going to update the rankings, but Todd Gurley doesn't come back this week. 
And Malcolm Brown was supposed to be the guy, but Daryl Henderson, is, look, as they bid, is more explosive, looked better at times. If there is no Todd Gurley, are we going Daryl Henderson over him, especially in a half or full point PPR, or it's still because of the usage, especially in the side of the five and the 10 yard line? Would you still go Malcolm Brown? Boy, that's something I'm going to have to think about more because as of now, I'm just sort of hedging and putting those two together. Malcolm Brown just in front of Henderson. Uh, I thought I saw maybe it was Jamie Eisenberg of CBS tweet out that now Malcolm Brown is dealing with some sort of toe issue. And, oh you know, my God. Fire up Daryl Henderson. <laughs> yeah. If that's confirmed, then I, I almost think that, you know, if Gurley doesn't play, Henderson does have to be catapulted into the top 25 somewhere. Um, you know, and, and obviously the Rams spent some pretty significant draft capital on him. And, you know, in, back in April and May best balls, people were really enthusiastic about him. I mean, it was crazy where he was going in some of those spring best balls, like fifth round in some cases. And, um, you know, then all of a sudden it gets into training camp and it's clear that Malcolm Brown is ahead of him. And, and all these uh, Daryl Henderson enthusiasts just had the wind really come out of their sails. But now, I mean, we're, we are talking about this guy who had, what, 2,200 combined yards in his final season at Memphis, 25 touchdowns, 8.9 yards of carry. Two years in a row on that. Yeah, and and maybe he's uh, maybe he gives this offense a spark that it so badly needs. But you know, if if boy, if um, I mean, where would we have to put him in the rankings if Gurley and Malcolm Brown were both out? I mean, he almost goes into the top fifteen. I would think so. So here we'll play a little game real here, real quick. How about we'll start? I don't know where you have him, but just Damian Williams or Daryl Henderson. We're probably going Henderson at that point, right? You talk about use. Damian didn't get it last week. They can't rely on the touchdown. I say all this like I'm making the argument. For, and you're, I'm asking you the question. Yeah, I think so. Even if it's uh, even if Malcolm Brown does play, if Gurley is out, I would rather have Henderson than Damian Williams this week. Okay, so Devontae Freeman, who has basically turned into James White, or Daryl Henderson. All right, th- this is assuming that it's Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson both playing. No, this is assuming they're both at, that Todd Gurley and Malcolm Brown are both out. Oh, then I would take Henderson. Uh, we'll see how high we can get Henderson. How about Marlon Mack or Daryl Henderson? That I would have to go Mack. I think I've got Mack 11th right now. Okay. Mark Ingram? Boy, now we are uh, – that – I think we are right at the threshold there. That would be the break point, Jake. You found <sighs> it, man. I've got Ingram 13th, and I think I would either slot – Henderson in one spot ahead of or one spot behind Ingram. Well, I didn't even ask you the big one, Aaron Jones. Oh, you know, I've still got Jones a little higher. Favorable okay. <laughs> home matchup against the Raiders. So I've got Jones 10 this week. Actually, like, here, here's one more for you. I think this okay. is a very interesting one. Daryl Henderson with no Malcolm Brown or Todd Gurley or carry on Johnson. Yeah, I've got, I would have uh, Henderson ahead of him. See, I think I would too. Tough matchup know. for carry on, you know, the Vikings. It is. And, it is. Uh, you know, the usage last week wasn't real encouraging. They So here's the one thing. I tweeted this out yesterday. It was some interesting stats that I found, specifically more so running backs. There was a little bit of wide receiver in there. But there was, was about rushes with inside the five-yard line. Which, you know, that's what you want, especially if you're talking fancy. So it initially started because Gus Edwards, I found out, was the only running back in all of the NFL that has six-plus carries inside the five and hasn't scored yet. Uh, the Jacobs is three for three so far, but carry on has f- eight. He's at the top. He's tied for, I think second 
eight rushes inside the five with only two touchdowns. Oh, wow. And uh, arguably only one touchdown because I still don't think he got in on Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> that game. It, 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 as a oh, Packers man. fan, you, you see, I agree with you about this. Like, there were so many missed calls in the game. But even as a Packer fan, can, can you step aside and be un- unbiased and say, you know what, the Lions did kind of get – like, the Lions should have scored, granted. But still, it came down to the fact that the Lions did get screwed at the same time. Like, you can have it both ways. You can have the Lions were part of their own problem, but they also got screwed at the same time. Yeah, right? those calls those calls on Flowers were horrible. And it was funny, the, the still photo I saw of um, Flowers on the second one, I believe it was. With the illegal hands to the face where he was getting illegal hands to the face? Something like that. And at the, the same time, I think our uh, the Packers right guard, Billy Turner, had an, one of the Lions – linemen like by the face mask like at yeah. the time too yeah. so um yeah that was but, you know, Jake I mean after the uh Monday night fail Mary results like, <laughs> you know I feel like this was due to us so anyone you know crying for the lions hang on while I pull out my tiny violin and start to <laughs> no I, like, I completely agree <laughs> with you I think it's the biggest thing I think it can my point is it can be both look the refs continually screw teams over but at the same time you know it does happen a lot on both sides so to be fair it could for sure but yeah the, the officiating was just awful in that game no question so we've been talking we've brought up two injuries already question marks um and i kind of want to present these to you as in going forward for this week now obviously there's going to be two different answers for these each because it's with and without playing or like, actually not when you say with without playing because they're out you're not playing them and the effect behind them but I'll say, how about, we'll put it this way. Tyrell Williams practicing in full versus Tyrell Williams questionable going to that game. Do you roll him out there? Because you talk about, I don't know how you feel about him, but I've been super high on Tyrell Williams all year long because of what you keep saying so far this podcast is the usage. He's their number one in just getting volume, volume, volume. If Tyrell Williams is questionable, I think you do still have to roll him out there, question mark. You're the answer there. <laughs> yeah, you know, if he if he – does get in some practices at the end of the week and it looks like he's going to go. I mean, I think you do play him and I'm, I'm sort of, you know, that's another guy, obviously like we have to hedge on the, the injury cases when we set these initial rankings and he's kind of a hedge guy for me. I, I think right now I've got him like wide receiver 34 and that feels like sort of a placeholder spot. I might not be quite as high on him as you are just because I, I still like I'm not ready to consider him like a truly good wide receiver. Obviously the situation is good, but maybe that changes a little bit. I, I know I'm not exactly <laughs> one to have, uh, you know, gone on record before is talking up Zay Jones, but now they've, you know, they've added another body. Oh, c- c- come on, <laughs> come on. Devin Fudge just watches him play and be like, uh, he's got bad hands. Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> So Zay, Zay is there. They've brought in Trevor Davis. Like they're at least trying to throw some coal into the furnace at the wide receiver position with some of the guys they've brought aboard. So maybe that balances out where they're just forced to funnel all these targets to Tyrell. And, you know, obviously they've got a high volume tight end and Darren Waller. So, oh, and, and plus the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm thinking Tyrell is likely going to be shadowed by Jair Alexander, who's a pretty, you know, Pretty good top. Well, he was until the last two games. What the, you answer as the Packers are, what the hell happened the last two games? Dude, well, first of all, on that on that first bomb to Kenny Galladay, I mean, that was Kevin King in coverage. And That's like, true. I thought it was going to be Jair Alexander on him, and 
boy, when they did that flea flicker, like Kevin King didn't fall for it, but the safety fell for it. And if you get Kevin King deep without safety help, the Packers are in trouble because Kevin King just can't run with. See, that's why I like Terrell Williams. This is, you know, assuming that Alexander's not going to be over there the entire time. But see, now we're talking matchups. So, you know, <laughs> no, and I say that, you know, tongue in cheek. I know to go back to what you said before, I know you don't ignore them altogether. So let me throw one at you real quick, too. And sure, this is the Tyrell Williams sure. thing. And here, this is a good thing, you know, the tongue in cheek again. I'm throwing that aside because now it's a legitimate question. And I want to ask when you see something like this, where does this play into, if at all? The Packers now lead the league with nine plays of 40 plus yards given up to receivers. Does that. Does hearing, seeing something like that, does that, you just dismiss that as like, you know what, big plays happen, I don't even care. Or does that even influence you a little bit matchup-wise to say, you know what, somebody like a Tyrell Williams or if they were playing, you know, like Devin Smith with no Amari Cooper, like the big play wide receiver, like that does come into play a little bit for you. Yeah, uh, maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. I mean, I, I I don't know if it would have a, major bearing at all on my rankings um you know and I have just like obviously I'm closer to this Packer defense than I am with some of the other teams that being my team but um and I kind of knew that maybe it wasn't going to be uh the Packers weren't gonna have the extreme run funnel defense it looked like the first couple weeks where they're past defense just wasn't giving up anything and they were getting run on a lot. Like I, I kind of felt like that was going to balance out just a little. I still think they're a bit stronger against the pass than they are against the run. But, um, you know, we kind of saw that level off on Detroit where the Lions actually hit on some big plays through the air but couldn't get things going on the ground. Uh, so I, I guess that does not like that doesn't really make me fade the Packers pass defense more than I would have before. Cause I think all in all, like if you look at opponent passer rating and uh, you know, yards per pass attempt and some of the other core stats that I kind of lean on a little bit more. Um, like, I think those matter more to me than the, the big play thing and the Packers are, are faring pretty well in those categories. Okay. Let's jump to the giants game. Saquon Barkley. He's got to be top five for you if he plays, right? I mean, are we, are we assuming the Giants are going to be smart enough that they're not going to roll him out there unless there's no concern about it getting aggravated injury? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like, they, they wouldn't risk it. I, and I, it seems like he's out of the realm where it's going to be some sort of game-time decision. So I've got him number two this week. Um, maybe I'd be more conservative in other weeks, but he's got a pretty promising matchup against the Cardinals. And Just then, a little bit. <laughs> exactly. And then some of the other um, – guys in consideration like Zeke Elliott I mean tough matchup against a a pretty good Eagles run defense Alvin Kamara banged up David Johnson banged up so some of the guys who maybe I would have ahead of him if I was hedging on Saquon um you know I I can't do that this week so I'm confidently ranking him number two how about you are you uh oh yeah same thing yeah I think uh did I have number two or number three I have him number two we're we're there lockstep Delvin Cook number one Yep. Leonard yep. Fournette, number three. Uh, I've got Zeke and then Fournette. Ah. It's, we so that close. one was, that's kind of coin flip territory. <laughs> we were so close. All right. On the other side of the ball, Christian Kirk against this Giants defense, despite the fact that Janoris Jenkins, not quite to Marshawn Lattimore's ability, has turned the corner and started playing better as of late. But Kirk wouldn't really have to worry too much about Jenkins, just at times. 
is Christian Kirk because it's the Giants defense. Is he, if plays, fire him up? Are you you putting him out there at least as a wide receiver three? Yeah, I mean, I've got him as a high end wide receiver three, wide receiver twenty seven. I mean, he's a guy nice. I felt good about early in the season just with the target. Hi, I beat you by two. I got him twenty five. <laughs> oh, nice. That's good. I mean, I I think we're going to be both above consensus on him. Um, yeah, just before he got hurt getting a lot of targets, getting a lot of targeted air yards, but he and uh, Kyler Murray were just not connecting in the first couple of weeks, but the usage was so promising. Then he gets hurt. So throughout this time, while he's been hurt, when people have asked me about buy lows, like Christian Kirk has always been one of the first guys I've mentioned. And yeah, I feel really positive about him. Um, seems like just a matter of time before he really takes off in this offense. And the Jenkins thing, I, I mean, I guess I see it as kind of a neutral matchup. Like, um, Janoris was kind of getting burned early on, but he's been pretty good lately. So, um, you know, I, I don't really see him as a guy to avoid, nor one that, you know, one you really want to target either. So just sort of a neutral matchup. And, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about Kirk. All right. So now let's finish out with a little bit of a segment. Like, I'm not going to. I don't know if I can give it a name, but I'm just going to kind of like call it at what point, because we're six weeks in now. Many teams have six games. Everybody has at least five and we're past the third ish point of the season. I mean, we're basically one week away from being at the halfway point of the season. So I feel like it's a fair question that we might've been able, able to ask last week. And so Pat, the question is, is at what point? And, Here's how I'm going to phrase it. I'm going to start with the first one, which is probably the biggest one. At what point is DeAndre Hopkins not a top five wide receiver? If, I mean, the answer can be never. Like you can say he's going to be, period, I don't care, top five the rest of the season. But that's why we're having this segment because I think these are all legitimate conversations to have is we are always reluctant to have somebody with that kind of pedigree pull back in our rankings and we're always hesitant to initially vault somebody up too quickly, Terry McLaurin on the flip side of it, DJ Chark on the flip side of it, who we're going to talk about, so don't say anything about them. But at what point is DeAndre Hopkins not top five anymore? Man, it's funny you ask this. I was thinking about this the other day, just that during the summer when we were trying to figure out where Kuti and Fuller should go in the rankings, and then you know after the trade, Kenny Stills, how should these guys be factored in? And it was all sort of done against the assumption that you know, DeAndre Hopkins was going to be a target hog and be a, a top three receiver without question. And, you know, I, I don't think any of us even stopped to consider the possibility that maybe, you know, Hopkins like wasn't going to be that. And that, mm-hmm. um, you know, we had to, to kind of redistribute uh, some of the targets in our minds, re- reconfigure how we thought of the passing game. And just in general, the Texans are, re- like who would have thought not only would there be like one, possibly playable in a deep league tight end on the Texans, but two, I mean, like I I'm shocked by the amount of uh, targets routes, run catches the, the Houston tight ends have. So it's just a weird situation right now. God, I still got him as a top three guy, but maybe a, another week or two before I start questioning whether he's in my top five the following week. <laughs> so we're getting close at least <laughs> we are pretty close man all right so then same question for odell beckham i mean there's people that ranked odell beckham as the number one wide receiver in fantasy because the browns hype just reached fever pitch levels uh, the super bowl contending team so 
at what point, which I also said this in my column, was that not the quietest 100-yard game we've ever seen? And like, I'm talking football, fantasy, whatever. Nobody was like, oh, Odell Beckham had 100 yards last week, including Odell Beckham. Like, that's just, that felt like the quietest 100-yard game ever. That was a really quiet 100-yard game. Um, <laughs> and I should call out your athletic colleague and my good friend Michael Beller as one of the guys who had OBJ as his uh, number one. Number one. So did, so did Nando. Nando had a number one or number two. He was right there with him. So, yeah, um, and God, I had him like three or four, maybe four. And <laughs> I don't know if you've looked at the Browns' schedule either, Jake, but it, it gets really it, tough. No, it doesn't, it doesn't lighten up until week 11. I've yeah, seen it. it's like it's murderous for the next, you know, month, uh, six weeks. So I don't know if he is going to be a standard top 10 receiver in my rankings every week. Like it might be that he falls out some weeks depending on matchups and he's got some really tough matchups coming up. So I don't know that he is going to be a no brainer top 10 guy. Ooh, even top 10. I like it. All right. So let's continue with one more on the positive side. And then we're going to, these are all, they should possibly be lowers. And then we're going to get to the others of, they should be as high as they are. So Mike Evans, at what point is he not top 10 anymore? Despite coming off a good game. Oh, I'm there now. I am there now. For me, he's more like a high-end wide receiver too. So maybe like somewhere in the 13 to 15, 16 range. Um, Just because I think we started off with Evans as like this consensus guy you pick at the uh, somewhere near the the 2-3 turn in a 12-team draft, kind of a a back-end wide receiver one, maybe the 9th, 10th, 11th wide receiver off the board. And I think we knew Godwin was going to be good, and a lot of us liked him, but I don't think we saw this level of stardom for no. coming for Godwin. And I think with that, um, we have to almost move Evans down a little bit. Like, I think he's been <laughs> supplanted as, as the main guy in this uh, offense. So for me, Evans kind of is now a, a high-end wide receiver too. You know, it's funny that that's another one this offseason. That was one where I was like, I want to put Godwin over Evans. And it's just like, I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to. I was just like, ah, I can't do it. <laughs> it's just like, I, I just couldn't. So another one. But like again, I, I say that with you to bring that full circle, to go back to the gut thing. The gut thing is usually only right about 10 or 20% of the time. It's kind of like, it, it's the, um, I'll call it like the revenge game like myth because the for the the heim all the people only remember when it works like the madden <laughs> curse people always remember when like the people get hurt it's like and they think oh it's the curse it's this it's that is whatever they don't remember the other 80 percent of the time where it doesn't happen so in any case now let's go the other way i brought up two of the names the first one dj chark here's my question for you at what point and he might be there already. And so you can actually answer if it's already happened for you. At what point is DJ Chark a must start regardless of matchup? Regardless of matchup. So I think he's pretty close to a must start. I've got him wide receiver 14 this week. Um, okay. Where'd you have him last week in his down game? 18 maybe. Okay. Um, were you lower on that? Did you did you rightly see the no, down I, 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 I had him somewhere right around that range. I, I kind of like, and again, you know, touchdown changed that whole game anyway. Yeah. And that was just a weird game. I mean, Minshew did not get any of the uh, wide receivers. Oh, I had Minshew way too high last week. <laughs> yeah. Same here. 
same here. It was kind of a, kind of a weird result and a, a weird game. Um, yeah. Like I don't know about the regardless of matchup thing yet. Like if he is on, uh, you know, one of the top five cornerbacks, I'm probably fading him into, nah, I'm about to hang up on you. <laughs> <laughs> like I love the guy. I mean, I'm definitely in on him and, you know, have him on a couple of my teams and feel really great about it. It's a, a guy I thought was just a depth piece early on in those leagues. Like I have been starting every week for, you know, at least a couple of weeks, maybe even, too slow on the draw in a couple of those leagues as far as getting him into my lineups. Um, well, then let me ask you this. Yeah. Do you think your opinion is going to change if Foles comes back at quarterback? Like no. it could be actually negative because maybe it's the DD Westbrook show again. Yeah. I, I think kind of the genie is out of the bottle here with Chark. <laughs> I, I mean, I think he's good to like this, this breakout for him is almost Juju-esque, I think. Just a, a guy who's clearly, you know, like this prolific performer at a very young age. And, like, I don't think it's there's any chance it's a fluke. Okay. I'm glad you said that. All right. So let's talk about the other name, which people probably know is coming up now. Terry McLaurin. Same question, regardless of matchup, especially because this week it's the 49ers defense. Yeah. So as mentioned earlier, top 20 this week. So I'm, I'm definitely in on this guy embarrassed that I in rookie dynasty drafts took Andy Isabella ahead of him. in uh, I think multiple drafts, like just a guy I totally missed on, even though like I'm a, a big 10 close big 10 follower being a Wisconsin guy. And I just did not see this coming. He is the real deal. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much there on him. Okay, good. And so two for two ish. We'll say I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you two for two. I'll say you're <laughs> so, I wasn't. I wasn't pro shark enough, huh? Not enough, but you're close enough. We'll give you that. So here's the last one. We're going to go back the other direction again. So this is the last one. The Rams offense and the Rams offense. Whether you want to complain about Jared Goff, it, it doesn't matter at this point now. Because of the offense, we do have to be concerned about the wide receivers. And it seemed Robert Woods was getting left out early. But the one person that's been left out seemingly the most and more often than anybody else is Brandon Cooks. So at what point is Brandon Cooks not a must start? Oh, man. Yeah, so with the Falcons this week, like it's really easy to rank him as a starter again. Um so I'm generally a Cooks guy, and I'm maybe in the minority uh, of people who generally feel that he's a better play than Robert Woods, although I've been kind of forced to to not play it that way as of now. Um, I don't know. I mean, the, the Rams' offense has obviously struggled. Goff struggling the offensive line other than Whitworth has been terrible. But, you know, this team is still in the top 10 in, in passing yardage. Um, not getting a lot of touchdowns, but like they're still a pass-heavy team. Uh, Cooper Cup has clearly established himself as as the go-to, but I still think there's room for the other two to produce. Um, it would take a pretty tough matchup for me not to have Cooks in the top. I don't know what would must start be top thirty. Like it's yeah, it's going to be say a, top, yeah, I'd say thirty-ish is right around where you can start having a conversation to bench somebody. All right, so I think he's got you know a couple. He's got the would, Bengals next week, too. <laughs> right? Right. So with these, but, okay, okay. There's just perfect example. 
Steelers after that in Pittsburgh, you know, you can debate the fact that like that pass defense has been great since Fitzpatrick's came in, but that's not even the one. We'll say the game after that. He's facing the Bears. Is Brandon Cooks a must start? Yeah, so if he's quiet, um, you know, or, or just has. No, like, I want you to. No, 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 no. I don't want you to straddle the fence. I want you to call it as of today. Come on. Okay, as of today against the Bears, am I starting him? Is he top 30? Um, probably right around top 30. I'll say not a must start. Ah, there we go. <laughs> I just wanted to make you say it. <laughs> You bullied me over the fence, Jake. I, I, bullied you. I pushed you off. You were trying to sit on it, and I just pushed you off the other side. <laughs> uh, uh, this is a really good discussion. So once again, make sure. So it's Fitz underscore FF. But again, Pat, tell everybody, make sure they know where to get all of your insight and information. Yeah, uh, you can always find those rankings at thefootballgirl.com. And you can find my podcast uh, in just about all the normal podcast sources, it's Fits on Fantasy, and that's available usually early in the week, Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, Jake, thanks again for having me. Always fun to geek out with rankings talk with uh, someone, a ranker I res- respect as much as you. So I really enjoyed it. Oh, I, I definitely appreciate that. And one of the, are you ever going to start uh, the footballguy.com? Are you going to do that? That's kind of like a pivot <laughs> off of that. I do, man. I need to uh, represent both <laughs> genders here pretty soon. <laughs> Uh, thanks again, Pat, and uh, I, I really appreciate your time. All right. Thanks, Jake. Talk to you soon. And before we get you out of here, as always, I want to talk about some DFS picks for you guys because I continue to love the site and want to give them love. It's fansharesports.com. If you get in the code all in kids, 20% off, so you can see these projected ownerships that I talk about all the time and things I talk about, like two of the things I'm looking at for this week, specifically at running back, Josh Jacobs' ownership, it's pretty low. It's down by Devontae Freeman and Carlos Hyde for what is an amazing matchup. His price has gone up to 500 and 700 on both sites. And that's probably why some people are a little bit hesitant, maybe a little bit hesitant about the Raiders and haven't been listening to me and how much I love Josh Jacobs. But what do you do against the Packers? Well, the past two games, you also pass against them. But you run against the Packers. They've been blitzed by the running backs all year long, even before the passing game started to hurt them. So if the passing game is going to get back on track and there's a questionable Tyrell Williams and everything, and how do you want to try and hopefully keep yourself in a game against the Packers and Aaron Rodgers? It's going to be run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and get Josh Jacobs even involved in the passing game. So Josh Jacobs with a low ownership, love him for some DFS tournament plays. And on the wide receiver side of things, there's another one who this is a questionable tag for him, so he has to be out there. And this is probably why his ownership is low as it is. It will climb if he's healthy, but it's still going to have to climb a hell of a lot because he's not even inside the top 50 right now. His price has dropped 600 and 400. His quarterback has been amazing, but it's in Seattle. It's against the Seahawks. But guess what? Their secondary isn't that concerning this year. And Marquise Brown, we know. Three catches, 150 yards, two touchdowns. Is all it ta- Like three catches, I say that. Is all it takes is for him to get 150 and two touchdowns. Marquise Brown... For the price that he's at, for being at 5,600 and 5,400 with a low ownership against the Seahawks, if he's out there, that's going to be one of the biggest pieces in my lineups. I can tell you that much right now, especially if he's under the top 50 at wide receiver. But again, I mentioned all this stuff because there's great guys over there at Fanshare. I love their site. So 20% off, only kid. You can see all the same things I'm talking about right now, help you build some of these lineups, help you build some of the ones that are more contrarian and you're not sharing the ownership everybody else has. Because the interesting thing would be seeing, hey, look at the top of the board, Cooper Cup, number one projected wide receiver. No surprise there. But this is that, you know, like, okay, if I want a piece of that action, maybe I pivot to Brandon Cooks. 
Not saying I would do that, but those are some of the things you can see over there. But in any case, said all that, said a lot. Come back next week. Next week, week eight, another great guest to help you guys. Hopefully, you do well this week. Go to theathletic.com slash all in sports for 30% or 30, 40% off. So, you know, some of all these percentages and numbers and can't even think it anymore. But anyway, hope you're following me at all again. Appreciate your reviews. Appreciate you guys listening. And I will talk to you next week.